0: Episode number 12. We have an awesome episode today. I've got two, like, superstars here with me today. <laughs> Before we get going, though, uh, make sure you—I got the six foot four Australian guy who always wakes me up at 3 o'clock in the morning if I don't say subscribe and like the video. Um, jumping right in, though, I have uh, Rafael here who fought just last—say uh, your last
1: name for me. Aquajero. Hear- I'm gonna call him that out.
0: And the one and only, the road warrior, my friend, Glenn Johnson, um, he's fought everybody. We'll get into him a little bit later, but the reason they are here is that last Saturday, they put on a show down here in Miami at the DoubleTree Hotel. I got the honor of uh, commentating on the fight. I thought I was gonna be up till midnight being miserable because I like to sleep by 10, but I had a great time. I wound up watching him fight. I don't know what I said about you, so don't take it personally <laughs> if I criticize you at all. <laughs> but uh, first of all, you're from Nigeria, so let people know like your background a little bit. Um, I'm from
1: Lagos, Nigeria, born and bred. I came to the United States uh, when I was 17 years old on a basketball scholarship. And,
2: and you played um, at Miami, right? Yeah, I Miami. played high
1: school basketball for a little bit, for about two years. Then I went I to the to University of Miami for basketball. Um, I played here for four years. Uh, played my last graduate year. Uh, on a football team, and went to the Dolphins, went to training camp, didn't make the squad, was depressed a little bit, you know. You didn't in. make the squad? How? I did not make the squad. I was good, but, you know, i do I just do what I was better. What, what position did try out for? I was tight end. The, the reason, I actually, did, I believe the reason I didn't make the squad was when I was at Miami. I was playing mostly wide receivers when I got to the Dolphins. I was mostly playing at the tight end spot, so there was a lot of confusion going on. I still showed my skills, but I didn't make the squad. Then I started boxing, and here we are today. You got a late start in
0: boxing, what, 25? Yeah, I started at 25. February. Which is late late for boxing. Glenn, yeah. how old were you when you started?
2: I started at 20 years old. Oh, you, you were a little bit older, too. I'm late, yeah. I started late in boxing as well. But for me, it's a little different story. We get into me later. Yeah, gonna,
0: he's, that's why they used to call him the gentleman, before they called him the world warrior. Um, so tell us about, like, what's was it like growing up? Did you ever have any aspirations to box, or you just wanted to play sports? Um, I was just
1: only fascinated with combat sports. I never had aspirations to box. I grew up watching, because uh, my dad was a big fan of Amanda Holyfield and Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. I think we had those tapes at home that my father would just play once at once sometimes, but I never really watched those. I was more of a basketball person. Um, I grew up in an era where my, me and my sister were always watching the, the Atlanta Olympics, um, the Springs, the, um, I watched a lot of Springs, watched a lot of basketball. Was that the Dream
0: up. Team? No,
1: that was 80. No, no that was, 80? I
0: think that was 96. S- I
1: don't know. I have no idea. All we we're watching was track. You know, that's all I watched when I was a kid. Uh, I, saw, I saw some NBA basketball. You know, I did that a lot. And uh, I had an aspiration to just be a basketball player. I never really wanted to be anything else. Actually I wanted to play soccer, but soccer was just for fun because it's really hard if you're from Africa and Europe, it's really hard to make it in
0: soccer. You know, so that was never really a dream for me. So like if when you were a kid, what was it like in Nigeria? What was it like let's say training or thinking or did you did you want to come to America? Was that like your dream or did it just kinda of happen? Um
1: it was not really uh I mean I was a, I was comfortable as a kid in Nigeria, you know. uh uh, Nigerians don't really think about athletics. It's more of an educational-based society for your kids. And I just happened to move to a new neighborhood where there was a basketball court, and I just started playing basketball. And I played there for, I think, about three to four years before I started feeling like I could actually go somewhere with it. Did
0: you pick it up pretty easy, though?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I sucked for at least six months. But after that, you know... (laughs) I thought for at least six months before I started, you know, getting the hang of things. And, uh, when I started getting the hang of things, you know, I was also tall and uh, it was relatively easy for me to compete. How with tall guys. are you? Cause
0: people may not oh, know. Oh, I'm six foot eight, six foot oh, oh, you're six. Oh, you tall. Yeah. Holy comments. You're like Tyson Fury height. Yeah. about that. Cause I know you sparred Christian, one of the guys that trained at the gym here. And he's about six nine. Right?
1: Yeah. I and Christian are about the same height. I think he's a little, it be like a uh, quarter of an inch shorter or half an inch shorter just a big dude.
0: So, what position did you play? Were you the center? Did
1: you play- oh, when I was uh, when I was in Nigeria, I was a small forward. I was a small forward. When I moved to the United States, I was a power forward. When I came to college, I was a center for two years, and uh, my last two years of college, I played the, the small, the power forward position. How'd you do in
0: college, for college ball? Um, I, I lot guys I, I, probably want to, I know we're going to be doing this, guys. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of the guys, any of the guys you play with, uh, make it to the, uh, NBA? oh yeah,
1: all, most of the guys I play with make the NBA, you know, the guys I played with and against, um, when I was from high school, my friend Buddy Hill uh, was in my high school. Um, Shane Larkin, um, Kenny Caddy was in the, was in, I think he went to the NBA for a little bit. Like, I don't recall when, how his career's gone. Um there's a lot of, I mean, we've met a lot of I've gone, through, I have a lot of friends that have, you know, that I grew up with that made it to the NBA, and they play most like, in, um, mostly in the Euro League in Europe.
0: And how did you fare against those guys personally, and how would you fare a guy like Patrick who' Ewing, Ewing, who's known as like the best?
1: <laughs> I mean, Patrick Ewing is like him. a seven footer, you know, I did, I did pretty, I held my own against them. Um, I was in a a top um, draft pick um, prospect uh, coming out of college, and uh, I had a a pretty good career. You know, I'm grateful for those experiences, and uh, I'm glad that I went through that phase of my life, where
0: basketball was like. And did you ever think about what it would have been like if you played in the NBA versus being a fighter today, did that ever cross your mind, or...?
1: I, I, it did
0: at one point, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously
1: the reason I came to the United States was to make it to the NBA, that was the, the college was just the path to make it happen. Um, I did, but um, when I started boxing, you know, I, I saw a new trajectory for myself and uh, that's the trajectory and that's the path that I'm on to And
0: you have no regrets? None? None, not at all. No, no, nothing but gratitude. And then how did you go transition from that or, and the foot, all the stuff that you did, how did you transition into boxing?
1: Um, basketball, I had an extra year of college, I had to graduate, then, uh, the, the football coach, actually a few of the coaches asked me to come play different positions. One wanted to play a tight end position, the other wanted me to play the, um,
0: the, um,
1: oh, um, left tackle, right tackle position, another one wanted me to play a tight end position, and I opted for tight end, um, it was fun, you know, the work ethic from football is what actually transitioned me into basketball, because, I'm sorry, to, to Box. boxing. Because in football, you know, regardless of how you feel, you still have to do the work, you know. In basketball, you know, you can see yourself doing injured sometimes, you know, because it's, mainly, it's a mainly skilled sport, and you don't want to hurt yourself doing things that you're not—that's not really that relevant. But with football, it's a grind type sport, so that and kind there's of
0: famous stories about the heat out here, which. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. horror stories because it it gets hot. People, yeah. it's never been 100 degrees in Miami Beach, which people don't know. But we're yes. inland a little bit, and with the humidity,
1: yes, you know, especially in the month of August during training camp, it was hot. I mean, during training camp and spring training, there were really hot times. Also, when I think when I went to the Dolphins, that was one of the hottest practices I've ever been to. But right at the Miami Dolphins' facility, and it, I think it was up to 95, maybe um, 95, with up? Hundred percent
0: humidity. Yeah, good. Humidity helps. You know, it's not dry. I mean, it. No.
2: Plus, I've unloaded a uh, football gear.
0: Yeah. So. How much, like, for people that don't know, how much gear do you have on you? Uh, about twenty to thirty pounds worth of gear. And then with yeah. the helmet and the with the helmet, you're, you know, I mean, we 103? try not
1: to wear pads every day. I think it was maybe in practice, it's just maybe two or two days of pads and full um
0: contact in football. But um, yeah, I mean football so, is pretty tough you know so the longest you've been is how many rounds where you haven't knocked a guy out two rounds two rounds so you haven't gone to eight nine nah, talk about, the there, heat, yes. about how much weight like like weight loss how much how much weight will you lose during a workout or a game versus glenn you will tell us how much weight you lose during a fight which i kind of know but as a light heavyweight you put it back on Weight-wise, how much do you think you lose? In, in, in boxing in, or in no, football? boxing, you haven't gone long enough, Oh, yeah. Really, you know, you're still a,
1: <laughs> yes. a baby. Yeah. In uh, football, I mean, um, I try to stay around 250 pounds. Um, typically, I'll go down to 240. But um, in football, they make you get that weight back with food, you know, hydration and everything. But you lose at
0: least 10 pounds? Yeah, 10 pounds in, practice, in, in a practice. In a summer same, day. Yes, yes. And how much, you yeah. say, would you lose, like, one you know, I um, lose 5 pounds. pounds. I
2: lose 5 pounds in a workout. Um, like, if I go to the gym... Um, and to train, I would lose 5 pounds in a workout.
0: And how about in a fight, 12-round fight? Oh, in a pitching? fight, I,
2: I never really measured that, but I, I would assume that I would lose probably 10, 8 pounds. 8 to 10 pounds. Yeah, eight So to about 10 the pounds. same in a yeah. fight versus a workout. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten dehydrated in a fight so badly where um, I had to go to the hospital to get IV. IV.
0: yeah. And so. then a lot of people don't realize this when you when you are fighting and and you lose that you have to you have to take a urine test afterwards, especially in oh, yeah. most of those fights. And That's some of these guys can't even take. I remember we fought no. down here in July, uh, Fres. Yeah. We fought in July twentieth fight him and uh, I don't know if you remember Liso Castillo, that uh, we fought at Heaven. Yeah. Neither one of those guys three three and a half hours. They, they were so depleted. They were drinking water. They couldn't even take the urine test. Yeah, I you mean, can't
2: you can't go, man. There's so much times I needed to take a test and by the time I get around to peeing hours later, it was had
0: blood in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> so going between you guys and we'll talk a little bit more about the fight this way you can get in on it. And i about talking about the Glenn a little bit because mm-hmm. I love Glenn and I, <laughs> I always had like, you know, what seventy seven total fights I think?
2: Somewhere around there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. About I think that. Sixty
0: seven close mm-hmm. to eighty fights. Yeah. Um, I think the only there's only one fight that you didn't make it to the final bell. I believe that Bernard was in Kinshasa. I no, think
2: Bernard it, Hopkins. Mac-
0: oh, you.
2: Uh, no. Oh, Bernard Hopkins and another fighter. So it's two fights. Oh, is it two? Yeah, oh, Bernard H- Hopkins uh, I know Macabu, fight was, yeah, it was But fought. that was later
0: in your career. But that was in yeah. Kinshasa, which is where I believe Muhammad fought the Rumble in the jungle.
2: Exactly. Right? And yes. that was
0: Makabu. Uh, I can't say his, his name. You've I can't say name? it either. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Makabu is the current uh, Cruiserweight Champion of the world. So what okay. we're talking about, you know, the, the, the two... That went uh, to make the final. Once, known as one of the best middleweights, if not one of the best. The best that of all I time. I the best I've ever. Did. So, how was it like going to Kachasa? Is that one thing I want to know about? Um, Same
2: well, place It sport. was an experience. It was. It, it was an experience. Um, it was different for me. Um, and that's um, when you had
0: moved up to cruiserweight. So yes, that was that me, that's my fight only fight weight.
2: in cruiserweight. Um, you know, that fight came along, and um, I was at the end of my career, and we said, "Let's go get it." Um, uh, so I went. I did my best. I ran out of gas. I mean, you know, I just I couldn't keep up with the pace. Basically, was know? it the
0: heat? Because we know like what happened um, with, with form. No, I, no, I wouldn't. I,
2: I wouldn't say it was the heat because I'm used to heat. Um, I just I feel like it was just age. You know what I mean? You're at that age where the younger man can carry a pace that you get after you can carry it for a while, but then after a while you start struggling too maintain that pace. because
0: i used to watch you train down here and you had i forgot your manager what a great guy you had a great manager who was always there with oh, you oh andrew foster yes yes and uh i've seen you train and yeah. when this guy hits the bag people don't realize he can i used to watch you for like at least an hour after training he would hit the bag what was like well first of all let's uh he was called a gentleman and you can see why it's a gentleman but they changed it to road warrior yes Ex- explained it to me during the commentary but explain to him why they how you got them in the road warrior
2: well, um, so I originally, my my original name was the Jamaican bomber. So oh, I've gone that, for a that's couple way back, back, yeah, That's way, sure. way back when I first started. And then, so after the Jamaican bomber, I think I, I went, I was that for about a year, maybe a year, maybe two years, tops. And then I went to Gentleman Glenn Johnson. Now, the reason why I went to Gentleman Glenn Johnson um, and a reporter You drink the Gentleman Jack, maybe? No? No, no, no. No, a reporter said to me that, you know, he interviewed me and he said, man, you know, you speak like a gentleman. You carry yourself, conduct yourself. I've dealt with a lot of sports athletes and, you know, you conduct yourself differently. So I was taken to that and and so I I named myself Gentleman Glenn Johnson. Um, And then some years later, I was fighting all over the world, fighting in people's backyard and stuff. And I was doing another interview, and a reporter said to me, "Man, you like the road warrior? You're fighting all over the world, in everybody's backyard, fighting." I was like, "Wow, I like that name." So then I changed it again from Gentleman Glenn Johnson to the Road Warrior, and the Road Warrior that stuck. Everybody liked it, and it became my my my
0: Samsung. So. And how many countries? I looked, but I don't count. How many countries would you say you've traveled to fight? big fights we're not talking about like local. You've wow. how many countries would you say
2: um off the top of my head I would say maybe about eight
0: eight countries yeah
2: uh, that's not me I'm not counting either I didn't yeah. count I just I, off I the top to of my head check, running I think through you yeah fought. I
0: know in Kinshasa you've gone to Europe I believe you fought England, to Australia England I think I
2: fought England? in England like three times um um Germany I think three times as well um uh russia have you ever gone to russia no i've never gone gone to russia Russia. no italy i fought in italy um i fought in um i fought in denmark um where i fought in a couple more places now i'm
0: sure you get this all the time because i know you've had 80 fights uh what would you say uh first let me ask you what is your toughest fight did you think? If we well, had to pick one or two or three,
2: maybe? My, well, I could. My toughest fight, I know very clearly. My toughest fight is Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's also played at the show. We know yeah.
0: well. And uh, is it because of his defensive capabilities? Is moving around? Because you're, you're the kind of guy that, that really goes at it. You're a work ethic kind of guy. Uh, you do have the talent. You do have. A lot of people didn't think you had power, but we found out that you do have power. What made Bernard Bernard Hopkins such a tough opponent?
2: Well, one, Bernard Hopkins and I was at two different levels at the time when I fought him. Bernard Hopkins was very, very experienced. Uh, I had enthusiasm, but not enough experience to deal with Bernard Hopkins at the time when we fought. Um, I felt like Bernard Hopkins was reading my mind. Um, in in the fight uh, you know and and after I gave my own experience I realized why he was able to figure out what I was doing because I was telegraphing things that I was doing I was showing it before I actually did it so he was able to see and react to the stuff that I was doing so so if you go back and watch that fight this is a fairly good fight decent fight but you can Excellent. see from where I was at that time, where I became later on in the fact you can see how much I've changed over the years.
0: So, what what do you think? I thought you oh, no, missed. <laughs> I, thought I got him too. <laughs> so, what do you think gave you the recognition that, in my opinion, you deserved well before the Roy Jones fight? Was it Tarver? Uh, you fought you, you fought a lot of names. I mean, the list goes on. Well, I mean, <laughs> You're known I, for the Roy Jones knockout, but is it yeah. that that gave you the recognition? Do you think it's Tarver?
2: No, uh, I think I think the Roy Jones give me the recognition because he's most known. He's, he's the star of Roy. Roy, between Tarver and myself and um, Tavares Cloud and other guys that I fought, Roy, Roy Jones is the most famous. So he's the, he's the star of the people that I fought. So I think beating him gave me um, the huge recognition. But if anybody would ask me which fight is my special fight, my special fight is the fight that I had when I won the world title. Because when you walk into a boxing gym, you didn't walk into a boxing gym say a name that you wanted to fight. You walk into a boxing gym saying that I want to become a world champion. So that's the moment that stands out for me um, above everything else. Fighting Ray Jones is, um, what would you say,
0: Uh just second,
2: yeah, just second
0: world champion, yeah. And the the funny thing about sports, I'm going to get back to you and the relationship with you guys in your career, but I'm, I'm trying to like keep it balanced. What people don't realize is like you saw Bernard Hopkins, for instance, and you beat Tarver, you beat Roy Jolt, but then Bernard Hopkins, who lost to jermaine Taylor, moved up to light heavyweight, and he beat Antonio Tarver, which nobody thought he was going to do, right? So it goes to show you that any given night, makes weight divisions, styles that anything could happen in, in, in the fight. You, know, you yes. never think Kinshasa that nobody picked Muhammad Ali to knock out George Foreman, who exactly. was eight years younger, Yeah, and nobody's ever stopped George Foreman. And, and this was in his prime. <laughs> and, and nobody picked Ali. So boxing is just such a diverse sport. Now, how did you guys meet? And what's your relationship like between the two you guys? I mean, he's younger. How do you pass all that knowledge? Because I deal with a lot of young guys that they don't want to hear anything you have to say. Right. I'm sure you know everything. I'm always a little bit smarter. <laughs> how did you guys meet and how did you form the relationship to kind of take him under your wing?
2: Um You want to tell it or you want me to tell it? OK, so the way how I met um Ford um is a friend of mine that he told me that he had this heavyweight. Um, that he was training, that's gonna knock everybody out. And um, So I said, great, I'm, I'm happy for you. So you play football, basketball, you star at UM, whatever. I am you know, I was excited about um, meeting Raphael. So I met Raphael at an amateur show that they were doing, because I was in Ford's gym when he was telling me, explaining to because I brought some guys to his gym to spar. So I met Raphael at an amateur show. And I was like, this is the guy I was telling you about. And like, you know,
0: so we met there. And was he fighting at the show? He was fighting. fighting He was fighting um,
2: that show. And I hang around because I was done with what I was doing and about to leave. But I wanted to wait for him to fight, to see him fight because Ford was talking so highly of him. So he fought. I'm like, okay. I mean, I saw a lot of work that needed to be done. But he was impressive. He stopped this guy he was fighting. Um and I said to Ford I left, that's the only time that I ever saw him um, and then I think, I'm not sure if the time frame, I don't know if it's a year later or some months later could be somewhere in between there I'm training another guy his name is CJ um, everybody know him as CJ his name is Courtney Jackson um, and he also goes to UM where he attends Rafa. as well so um uh, CJ called me one day and said, Hey, I have a heavyweight um, that's looking for a trainer. And um and he wanted to he wanted to know who's my trainer and if he can get to talk to you. I said, Yeah, bring him by. So I think he told Raphael where we were at the gym. The guy came. When I look, it's Raphael. So he and I have a conversation. He's telling me that. Him and Ford, not on good terms. And I said, What's the reason? He wouldn't tell it to me. Um, he still haven't told it to me up till today, day. I said, Well, I'm considering training you, but I would have to talk to Ford first to find out what happened. Because you never know what, you know, I could be a bad guy I'm taking. I don't know sure. what was happening. A so I'm strange Well, <laughs> yeah, but I'm also a friend of Ford. So I called Ford. I said, Listen, um, your heavyweight is over here. He said you and him having issues and um you know he was looking for a trainer and i'm considered training him he said you can train him blah 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 he he tell me some words i'm gonna leave the words out of it but he gave me his his stuff that um he wanted to say and i said okay so but it's cool if i if i um if i start training say yeah you could train him blah 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 said okay so i called him up i told him say yeah um I will, start, I will start training you, and from that time forward, we start training. I think it's about three years now. Three years. I'm thinking you you could you have better memory than so you I
0: do. So I just talk a little bit. So <laughs> how do you? I mean, obviously, there's not much. He's a gentleman. I think anyone who watches this knows he's a gentleman. What what has he taught you so far that you know that maybe somebody else wouldn't have taught you? A guy like me or a guy like somebody off the street. What have you learned from Glenn that nobody else?
1: teach you um i mean it's a good thing that you you, you're with a trainer who has boxed and not only has he boxed he's boxed on the highest level and under the brightest lights um that nobody can teach you no matter how good you are as a coach you know i if i'm teaching you something that i have been through and i know the feelings and i know the the bad side the good side i've done it for years i know how training goes i know how high level competition championship training and championship competition go um, it's really hard for me to teach you that if I haven't gone through that. And uh, I would say that's what he's taught me over the years, just the mentality behind boxing, how boxing is a take-no-prisoners type uh, sport. Rough sport. You know, it's uh, a... rough sport. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, boxing changes your mind both in the ring and outside of the ring. You know, you take nothing personal. You hold beef with no one. You know, everybody's trying to look out for themselves, and you have to understand that that's just the nature of the game. You know, you have to look out for yourself and the winner takes all. You know, and you do whatever you do, you have to find a way to be the winner. Win the sport, no matter how bad you look,
0: just win the, win the fight. Yeah, win um, this time and look at the next time. That's kind yes, of like the thing. Right? Let's
1: learn with a win that would have lost a you know? Win's a win. I mean, that's <laughs> what know. everyone says. Don't
0: worry and, uh, about looking good next time. If anyone true. knows yeah. in this yeah. fight. Uh, so you're 12-0 now. Is it 13-0 now? 12-0, 12 knockouts. 12-0, 12 knockouts. Do you, more or less, think that he's not getting the rounds in that at some point he may need by getting all these knockouts?
2: Well, he need the rounds. Don't get me wrong. But we're not depending on just the fight as a teaching tool. We travel around and we look for good sparring, sparring from quality fighters to allow him to get um, some coaching and some understanding and, and competition and all of these other experiences that you get. In the ring with somebody equally as good as you are better. Um, um, You know, that's my way of teaching. That's a part of my way of teaching. That's the way I came up through boxing. That's the way I learned. And that's the way I try to pass on that teaching, that
0: knowledge. Have you been any, have you sparred at a high level yet? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, tell, tell the people some of that. Typically when people
1: say, oh, you're knocking out people in two rounds, you're not going to know how to box eight rounds. I mean, I, I do this every twice a week, you know, right. I spar guys like Christian, you know, sure, Christian, sure. we go four six, sometimes eight rounds. We spar, um, Philip, we spar, um, Bakudere, we spar Olympians, you know, we spar from Anora uh, there, whoever, you know, all the top-level guys in the gyms. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Frank Sanchez. All these guys, you know, we go around sparring each other. And we try to go as many rounds as possible, so we know what high level competition is, and
2: you, you also spar. Tyrone Spawn.
1: yeah, Tyrone Spawn, You know strong. multiple times. You know um, kickboxing legend.
0: Sure.
1: Um, just so many people, you know, and we know that. Okay, you need a fight. We might get a quick knockout, but in case the fight goes around go six rounds, six, I'm always ready to go. So we're not. That's not. That's not a worry, because like at the end of the day, we practice that way and we do that every day, every week. So. Um, when, when that when the opportunity presents itself for
0: us to go multiple rounds, we'll be ready. So give us a glide path, if you will, to where do you think you want to go from now? Let's say in the next year, what do you want to be in a year from today? Um, in 2018,
1: when I turned pro, we gave ourselves four years to be a world title world champions. Um, it's been three years, and uh, we have about a year to go. How it's going to happen? I don't know. Um, but we know it's gonna, we're going to make it happen. Uh, we don't know who's going to relinquish the bell. We don't know who's going to drop the bell. We don't know who's going to lose. lose. We don't know who's going to win. One thing I know is that in a year from now, I will be knocking on the door of a wartime, or, or wartime, or wartime consideration.
0: So out of the guys that are there now, we got Fury that's going to be fighting uh, Wilder for the third fight. We've got Anthony Joshua. I think he's fighting Yusef right now. So you got Fury, Wilder. You got guys like Dillian White, Joe mm-hmm. Joyce. Who do you think, apart from you right now, has got the most talent, is, is the hardest kind of division that you would not want to face? I know you'd want to face anyone, but... I don't. I'm not. I don't fear anything. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody
1: comes with their different um, um, skill sets. You know, Anthony Joshua is a very, very fundamental heavyweight. You know, makes very, very few mistakes. Um, very sound. Um, the underwater is... a he might not box you well, but if he catches you with his right hand, you will go to sleep. Um, Tyson Fury is a ring general. He knows how, no matter what weight he is, he comes in. He knows how to use the ring. He's very ev- evasive and elusive. Um, he might not carry a lot of power, but he knows how to score and win every round. Um, Dillian White. He's okay.
0: Little bump average, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really see. I think he's, I think it's just for him, it's just experience. He's a tough guy. He'll stand in and trade with you. Um, he's a body snatcher. Do I think he's a better body snatcher than I am? I don't think so. But he's good at what he does, and he's up there for a reason. Joe um, Joyce. Joe Joyce is a very, it's a guy I actually really, really respect. You know, because we he's a very. Ahead, though. No, I never asked for Joe Joyce. Hopefully, one day we will. Uh, I really actually respect him as a boxer because he came in and started late. He's an Olympic silver medalist. Um, His skill set's are very his skill set is very underrated because people see him as slow, but he's the most effective boxer in terms of connect rate that I've ever seen. You know, his jab is phenomenal. It's slow, but it'll get you. Um, He has um, deceptive deceptive power. Um, um, I I I respect his skill set. And he I just respect the fact that his skill set is very deceptive. Um who else? Who else is up there? Martha Hunter? I don't I don't think any other way. I don't think any I have no um I don't I don't so rate guys him.
0: Guys coming up like mm-hmm. you, who do you see coming up in the next maybe year to two years? Oh Philip is coming up. Um
1: actually um Philip's a guy that I spar in uh, Tropical Park. Um he's actually you know, a top prospect. Um, the first couple times I sparred him, he was really, he was good. Um, and he showed me another level of boxing that I never dreamed. And I kind of had to work my way towards that. Uh, when I sparred him this year, um, I actually thought that he would stay at that level. But he actually has gotten better. Got you know, he's bottle. a guy that before he would have to stop to throw combinations. But now he actually throws combinations and power combinations while he's moving, which is a problem. So that's another level that he's shown me that I have to get there. And I don't, it's going to be really hard to break a guy like that because you think he's running away from you and he's really not. He's, he's just, he's boxing you and he's, I mean, some, some throw combinations, including pop punches in the move is a very, very um, tough thing to have to deal with because not a lot of guys throw punches while they're moving, uh, even when they're chasing. And you see a guy who's running away from you and still doing his punch combinations. It's it's really um, it's really hard and frustrating.
0: What do you in. see as his strongest point and his weakest point? And I hate to put you like on the negative thing, but what's his best point and what's his weakest point where you think he needs to work on to get to the next level?
2: Well, he just said it. Um, his weakest point is moving and punching at the same time. Understanding how the foot and arm work as you're moving to get your combinations off. Um, that's his weakest point. Um, his strongest point is just his fundamentals. Um, when he's sticking with his fundamentals and using those fundamentals properly, he can hang in with any person that box. I mean, he doesn't have to fear any man. But um, when he's getting a little distraught, when he's starting to get a little confused and tied up, when he's not able to move his legs and arms in the
0: proper format, that's his weakest point during a fight, which he's knocked everyone out. But even in sparring, does he listen to you in the corner? Does he like? Go he listens into-
2: well. He listens. His he's, he's, only time when he doesn't listen as much is when he's in the gym because he's cocky then. But when he comes fight time, he listens well. Um, I mean, we go to spar and stuff. He listens and stuff like that. But you know, when we are in the gym hitting the bag and you know, I feel like I want to slap him a couple of times.
1: Is that true? That's his opinion. Everybody's entitled to it. (laughs) You guys ever
0: argue about anything? You ever get into like little tiffs or arguments or disagreements? We
2: have have fun time. I'm I'm a clowner, so I like to clown with all my fighters. I joke around with them. Cuss and carry on, even though it's not my character to to cuss. But in the gym, he become a part of my character.
0: Now, one last thing I want to bring up. A lot of people don't understand the relationship between a trainer and a fighter. We've seen it in Iraqi, we saw like, like Ali, like I was with, close with Angelo. There's a special relationship that a fighter has with his trainer and you, you can't change it. There's just something special to me about it. I mean, do you see that with him? Like it's almost like your your kid or it's almost like somebody very close to you that you take it personally. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it's, it's, it's
2: a bond between a trainer and a fighter. Bond. And it's a special bond there because, and especially if it's a, a, a fighter that you bred, that you've been bringing from, from the grassroots all the way up. Because everything, everything that fighter, yeah, yeah, everything <laughs> that fighter is, 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 is a part of you. And, and you want to see him represent all of the stuff that you're in you know, you put into him. And, and so it's, it's. I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it into words. And it's that's it's like watching yourself, like watching something manifest. You know what I mean? Because you you know, you take this raw skills and you mold it into this beautiful orchestra. It's, it's, it's a sight to watch. And there's a proudness that come over you when you see that happening. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. Until I start training another kid that I trained in, Malik, because uh, he taught me into being a trainer, because I didn't want to be a trainer originally. So he taught me into it. And I start training him. And when I start training him and see how the stuff that I'm teaching him, see how we're putting it together, and see like a vision you have in your mind, this person is now putting it into action, it, it gives you a feeling that I never thought
0: was inside of me. And one last thing, do you get before a fight, I mean, it's early on now, so you pretty much know that he's going to win, but as, as I've trained people at a higher level where anything could happen, you have know, championship levels, do you feel like you get more nervous than he does? Because the week of the fight, I'm like panicking, and I have no control of what goes on, and well, I lose my control.
2: Do you, you feel the same thing with him? Well, no, no, I'm a little different than you, obviously, because I'm an athlete, and, and I've I've done it. And I know that panicking and all of those things that happen um, is wasted emotion. So I don't really operate like that. Now, do I have concerns? Yes. And I always take him and, 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 and give him my concerns. I tell him, listen, I need you. Because my concerns are mostly fundamental concerns. Like I said, listen, this guy threw overhand right. So I need you to really, really pay attention. To this overhand right, this guy is going to be flowing or his left hook or whatever. So those are my concerns. Technical things. Technical stuff. And I would go over those things with him and make sure that he have good understanding and make sure that I plant the seed, how important it is to me that he's paying attention to
0: these things. So the fact that you don't have control like you did in your own fights—that right. the control that you've taught him is in his hands—is
2: in his hands, and it's for me
1: to 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 give him to that in, control.
2: Yeah, put a, a influence on it and put a, 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 a good understanding on particular things. So he have a good so look out for this and this and this. Even two or three things that that particular opponent do well, I want to make sure that I plant that seed and he have good understanding of it
0: going into the fight got you. So, are there any closing thoughts here? Like, yeah, anything you want to promote the fight, you want to promote like anything that you have, just promote it, like Road Warrior.
2: Well, well, yeah, you have the Road Maria um, promotion Instagram, follow us. Uh, You have Glenn Johnson Boxing, um, Boxer. That's my Instagram, personal Instagram, follow us there. And then our next show is November 6th, right? November 6th. 6th. November 6th. (laughs) November 6th. Are make sure that you back? come and support make sure it's that you guys question. come and look out for us and, and support and keep this, this little grassroots promotion keep growing so looking forward to see you guys November
1: 6th well um, follow me on Instagram that's my um, primary um, promotional tool for today um, before we go big time, then we can start doing television stations. But um, if we want to know on um, the news and the updates on what I'm going through in terms of training and my career, um, my Instagram is Raphael, R-A-P-H-A-E-L underscore Akujuri, A-K-A-P-G-I-O-R-I. Um Follow me, like, support. If you like and send me some money, I won't say no to that. You know. <laughs> That's all of us money. Actually. Me too. <laughs> we'll take it. We, Glenn, whatever. Yes, you
0: got a whole burning in your pocket. We, we, we'll take your money. I need as uh, much money as you can give me. So. Absolutely. Yeah, pr- push it, man. We'll yeah. push this out. So we'll take the money. Uh, I cannot tell you guys how happy I am to have him. This is just, I think he's going to go big places. I'm waiting for him. And I have to be nice to him because I want to keep commentating on the fights. Glenn has been... Hero friend. I've been watching him for, I can't tell you how long. I'm so glad he's here. He is a gentleman. And I can't say enough nice things about both these guys. I want to thank you guys both for coming. I had a blast calling the fights. If we get a chance to do it again, I'll try to get better and better at it. That's the man uh, He's the man. These guys are the guys.
2: Listen, we we enjoy having you, and we'd love to have you back.
0: I I loved it. I can't tell you. I I never thought I would have as good a time as I did. (laughs) I swear, I was like, oh. Oh, man, like, why am I doing this? I could be home <laughs> sleeping. I could be like. And then when I got there, man, I had a Coke and a yeah. bunch of junk food, sugar, and I was wound up the whole night. So if I said anything bad about it, it. don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> think it, personally. it was a Coca-Cola. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so do the subscribe stuff for the Crazy Australian. Uh, thank you guys for coming again. And this was episode number 12, and we will see you again.
1: Thank you. Thank you.